Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Cavern podcast where we talk all things Magic the Cavern. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Not too bad. Good, that's good. I have stopped smoking. Oh, fantastic. That's yeah. great news. It, it is, isn't it? Um, I feel like it's something that you were, you were always like bugged by, but never actually mentioned because you're a conscientious and polite person. <laughs> <laughs> you never, never really brought it up, despite the fact that I'm pretty sure I know you hate smokers. Yeah, smokers are jokers. Oh, well, I am very funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's not... <laughs> See, look how much you're laughing. I'm clearly hilarious. Oh, I know because I was going to call you a clown and then decided not to. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't, don't, don't call people clowns because then um, some idiots on the internet will get really offended and start making transphobic comments at you. Sure, sure. That's what happened to me this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not something I'm like, I'm like, I'm never going to smoke again. I'm not going to like beat myself up if I have like a couple of cigarettes every now and then. Yeah, um, I might. Sorry? <laughs> but I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like that's the thing. It's like if I've got to the point where I'm like, I'm not smoking anymore, and then if I do have one, I think I'm perfectly open to criticism and sure. and jokes and stuff. But yeah, I've I've decided to buy um a vape. Sick. Um so I'm one of those people now. <laughs> can you do any like sick vape tricks? I can I can do like what are they called vape rings. Oh wow, you can <laughs> Crank those cottony clouds. <laughs> well, the one I've got isn't that powerful, so I can't do like you know, you know, the like obnoxious ones that just like fill a room in one go. Yeah, I yeah. can't do that. <laughs> Nor would I want to do that because that makes you um, <laughs> an inconsiderate person. But yeah, I've always been able to do smoke rings. They're not hard, but I can't do like I don't know, like the twisters and stuff you see people do. <laughs> those that absolute nonsense. Um, but yeah, I, I did that. So I haven't. I've, in the last seven days, I've had one one cigarette. Cool. Good Should work. Proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I can smell and taste things again so that's pretty nice mm. <laughs> i didn't realize how much because it, it's been like 12 years since i started smoking i didn't realize like how i couldn't taste or smell anything yeah because i just gotten used to it um and i'm like oh things smell and taste amazing or disgusting because now i can smell <laughs> gross things more again <laughs> which, which is nice but yeah that's some, some big personal news I, I i know that people that listen to my podcast really like to hear about people's personal lives hell yeah yeah <laughs> why else would they listen <laughs> for the steaming hot takes <laughs> But uh, not in any way well informed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have played no magic this week. Nice. I don't think. Uh, I, uh, me and a few friends have decided to do a, a commander challenge thing. Uh, okay. It was like because we're all getting quite bored, and it's like kind of difficult to build new decks and stuff. Yeah. So we thought, what we'll do is we'll go to I think it was Scryfall, and rolled a random commander. So we all got three random commanders each, and we had to pick one. And then we set a budget of uh, $40 by TCG player and build a deck from that. And that's been really fun because you because you forget how expensive EDH decks are when you just put all the staples in. Yeah. yeah. So now you just like, don't get to play any staples or like the best cards for the commander and just like actually have to think about deck building. Yeah, I really like that idea. It sounds really cool. Yeah, it's, it's been really fun. Like my, and I've, So I got um, Taser Orzov Scion, which is the original Taser from... Descend Guild Pact? One of those, yeah. Guild Pact, I think, is when the other stuff were. Um, so I got that one, which is really fun and really cool. And I've made like a token-y aristocrat style deck. Cool. Which is actually quite good. 
Um, we have been doing that, and we're going to play the decks fairly soon, I think, once all the cards arrive. So that's been that's been good fun, just like trying to build a commander deck without just being like, well, I'm going to put this really good card in, this really good card in, and the deck's like inexplicably $400. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I've seen quite a few like like one-tick challenges on like Magic Online where people can build like a like a playable EDH deck for like $1, essentially. And yeah, I think I think it's a really cool way to to look at the format because like the card pool is like literally every card ever yeah applying that sort of sort of limit i guess or budget um i think you can come up with some really interesting deck lists yeah i think that's really cool yeah absolutely like that um so yeah i i have posted the list on twitter i think if anyone's remotely interested but um yeah just like finding some some good ways to draw cards and ramp and stuff and i managed to get some fixing in there which is quite nice because shambling vent is like a dollar still somehow (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i got stuff like that in which was which is cool and sweet I couldn't afford Blood Artist. Oh, no. Because that card's like $5. <laughs> Ooh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, it's really silly. Um, I'm going to go through my Eternal Masters bulk, I guess. Oh, yeah, if you find another one, I kind of need another one, so if you could sure. let me know. <laughs> let me know, and I'll give you, like, I don't know, a pound. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, how's, how's your week been? Uh, it's been uh, agonising, I want to say. Um, so, I, yeah, I've got pericoronitis, as I mentioned last week. It's like an inflammation of the gum around like a, a partially erupted wisdom tooth, and it's in so much pain. Uh, I'm going to the dentist on Wednesday, so I guess as hopefully <laughs> as you're listening to this, I'll be strapped into a dentist chair. Uh, and yeah, I'm just at the point where I'm just I'm sick of it, and the tooth needs to come out, and it's gonna suck. I know how much it's gonna suck, but just get it out of my mouth. F. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's as considerate and friendly as I get. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you can you can listen to the podcast while you're sitting in the chair having your tooth ripped out. Yeah, maybe I will. That's I, cool. I, I also kind of want to apologise for last week as well. I listened to the podcast back last week and I just, I feel like I sound just so miserable. I'm like down on all of the cards and like I clearly sound like I'm in pain as well. So I'm going to try and keep the energy up this week, I think. I mean, that's just how the Northeast accent goes a lot of the time, isn't it? <laughs> just miserable <Yeah>. and droney. <laughs> Whereas me with my Birmingham accent. <laughs> <laughs> True reflection of our surroundings. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. As far as magic goes, I played a little bit this week. So I played a bit uh, a bit of Arena Standard. Uh, I didn't hit Mythic in the end of last year. I figured I'm probably not going to hit it in this season, but I'll play a bit just to... You know, keep myself up to date with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been it's been fine playing blue white control, and it's like it's fine. Win some games, lose other games, no complaints really. Um, and other than that, I did the uh, legacy social at the weekend as well, which was was pretty cool. Uh, I I was gonna build like an underworld breach deck, but I I couldn't settle on a list that I was happy enough with. So I just played ant and had a lot of fun. Played some casual games of legacy. Is it because all of the uh, versions of that deck suck? I don't know if they do. Um, there's a modern version of the deck that I quite like, but I don't. Well, I guess I guess there was, but that's that's now no longer playable. Which I guess we'll, we'll get onto later. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Uh, so yeah, I just played Ant, and it was fine. I had some fun. Uh, swapped some decks around as well. So I, I played. Um, Black Red Reanimator a bit as well, and that was, that was just stupid. Had some really stupid games where it, it was just like, like pre-game reveal two Chancellors, turn one Dark Ritual and Tomb Grizzlebrand Reanimate Grizzlebrand. It's good fun. That sounds good fun. Yeah. 
yeah, I love Legacy for stuff like that. So yeah, that was cool. It was nice and fun. It definitely, definitely got me thinking about Ant, and I think I'm going to play around with the flex slots a bit. So I think I might actually cut um, uh, Ritual of uh, Ritual of Soot? Reign of Filth. That's you should of. definitely cut Ritual of Soot from your Legacy Ant deck. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I am not playing Ritual of Soot. Uh, so Reign of Filth is kind of like a pet card of mine that I absolutely love because it's just kind of like your, so your fifth dark ritual. It's really cool. Like when it, when it gets there, it's it's just amazing. But I think I might stick it in the sideboard and play uh, one main board Veil of Summer. Yeah, that seems correct. Because that card's stupid. It... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. You are correct. They've won multiple games by just going like, you know, cast a veil or somewhere, and like it either resolves and then you just get a storm off and that's it, or they counter it with the one counter spell in the hand. Yes. Yeah, it's it's sweet. So I, I think I'm probably going to do that and see how that goes. Sweet. Okay. I guess report back. Yeah. I mean, it's not a definitely. huge change, right? It's not a huge change, no. But I I think it could have some. Some interesting implications for Ant. I haven't seen anybody play that in Ant, like Main Board Veil of Summer. And like every other deck in Legacy plays Main Board Veil, <laughs> main board veil of Summer, so it was, why not Ant? I mean, yeah, it seems like a reasonable thing to be doing. Yeah. I mean, it's a card that you bring in basically every matchup, so having one main deck is kind of fine, and taking out the card that is there for like when you win with it 1% of games you play. Yeah. I think that seems like a reasonable swap. Yeah, totally. I'm going to give it a go and see how that goes. Sweet. Awesome. So yeah, we, like I alluded to, we do have quite a bit to talk about today. Okay. Uh, so I guess yeah. we, let's start with the bands. Let's start with the bands. Um, yeah. So this was one of the first, well, the first not scheduled ban announcement. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I guess so, like technically last week was the first week of there not being a scheduled BNR announcement, but then yep. there wasn't an announcement last week, so yeah, technically this is the first announcement. Yep. Um, and it was a doozy. <laughs> Oof, yeah, it was a big one. I don't yeah. think people are going to forget this one anytime soon. No, so do you want to run down the cards that were banned? Yeah, so first up, Mox Opal is banned in modern. Oko, Thief of Crowns, is banned in modern. And Microsoft Lattice is banned in modern. Um... Okay, so one of these we expected. Absolutely, yeah. And wanted, and everyone wanted to happen, is very happy that it's happened. Yep. Um, one of them. I mean, okay, the other two of them came out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I, I think so. So I think. I think. Mox Opal is one that has been. It's a card that's been in conversations for a very long time now, but I don't think people were expecting it to happen anytime soon and then I do think Magus and Flatus is just kind of out of nowhere but I, I do feel that is a bit of a preemptive ban. Yeah that, that was one of the things that like Mox Opal we'll obviously get into a little bit in detail in a moment Yeah, but because uh, there's not a lot to say about Magus and Flatus but that one I don't think it was on anyone's radars like there was kind of a feel bad it was a, you know a big talking point when it first came out like the interaction with Khan the Great Creator Yeah, but I don't think anyone was asking for it to be banned I don't think anyone felt particularly bad about it it was just another axis for tron decks to win on yeah and maybe a couple of other decks to win on that required the spending of 10 mana over two turns yeah which i guess i guess the thing is like khan was a reasonable card in that deck anyway yeah its ability to find 
uh, hate pieces like Walking Ballista, Ensnaring Bridge, Tormod Script, stuff like that. Yeah. And then just being able to find this like effectively one card combo was kind of free. Yeah, totally. And then you just did it when your opponent had no way to interact with it and won the game from there. So I can kind of see how it, because there's still good cards you can find with Khan. I'm not sure it's like going to be as playable now. Now that you can't just win the game with one card, but like a lot of decks can't really beat in Staring Bridge. Walking Blister is like really good against a reasonable number of the field the decks in the field still. Yeah, I definitely do think it's still playable, but yeah, I, I agree. Like you haven't got the, you haven't got just that instant win button that Microsoft and Flatus was. But I, I do think there is like a reasonable amount of artifacts you can get. Like you could even just you know, replace um, Microsoft and Flatus with like a sword, maybe. Yeah, something like I that. Certainly, th- or like a battle skull. Like, there's certainly things you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how how Khan fares going forward and the decks that are playing it. It's probably nice that Microsoft Lattice is now the reasonable price it should be, and yeah. you can pick them up for EDH. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably quite nice, right? Yeah, definitely. So, okay. Um, I guess we're going down in degrees of severity. So, okay, Thief of Crowns. Yep. Thank goodness. Yeah. This 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 was one just everybody wanted like you like, even the people that were playing the decks were like if, if you're not playing oko in your Urza deck then you're incorrect and you should definitely be playing this this deck before it gets banned it's just stupid we've we've talked about them so much yeah and uh, i think mean, like as the weeks go on where we're slowly but surely getting to the point where it should be where oko is is just banned and restricted in pretty much every format yeah, I mean, as someone that moved a lot of value into a playset of Ocos and still owns that playset of Ocos, I'm perfectly happy with this. I, yeah. you know, picked them up knowing that they were probably going to lose a lot of value and probably going to be banned in a lot of places. I mean, you know, it might even go further from here. But I think this is probably the biggest hit in terms of value. Yeah, quite possibly. Because, it, I mean, when it got banned in standard, it went up in price. When it got banned in Pioneer, <laughs> it did, like it did, it just went off. I, I know it just—it sounds so funny, but yeah, I know it did. It absolutely did. Banned in Standard, people were like, "Oh, it's not banned in Modern or Pioneer." Okay, <laughs> we're going to pick these up then because there was always that worry. Then it got banned in Pioneer, and it took a bit of a hit. Uh, and now that it's banned in Modern, Modern's like the big one, right? And it's thinking, actually, I'm going to look at the price exactly so I know what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, Thief of Crowns, using Magic Card Market. Whoo! I mean, if you look at the graph from the 14th of December. It's yep. just been trending down for that entire time. But yeah, it's not... I mean, it's taken a huge hit today. So the average price as of yesterday was uh, about €22. Euros. Yeah. And currently the cheapest English copy you can buy in Nimming Condition is €15. Euros. Yeah. So it's taken a huge hit. We'll have to see how it performs in Legacy still going forward. Uh, I think it's still very reasonable in that format. Yeah, I I think it's... I think it's fine. So I don't know. I don't know if fine is like the correct word. I I think the card's very good, obviously, but I don't think it is like completely broken. I don't think it it is as much of a problem as Renin Six was. I think you still have plenty of ways to answer the card. Um, you look at like any of the Delver decks that are playing like Days Force of Will. You've got decks that play Black that play Thoughtseize. You've got decks that play red that play pyroblast. You've you've got so many ways to answer it in in legacy that you just don't in the other formats. Yeah, and like you, you, it's not like vintage where like you're gonna play like where it's like it's possible to play Oko turn one in like a non-zero amount of games. I mean, it's possible to play Oko on turn one in a non-zero amount of games in legacy, right? 
Well, yeah, sure, okay. It's, but then yeah, you, it's, you probably don't win if they deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably like empty-handed, or you'll have like one card left, and that card won't be ancestral recall. Yep. You're not going to win the game. And obviously in, in Vintage as well, like a lot of your mana comes from your, your Moxon and your, your artifacts, like Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, which obviously aren't legal in Legacy. Uh, Oko just turns them into Elks, and then then that's that for your mana for the rest of the game. So I think Oko has a bigger impact, uh, or I guess more of like an unfair impact in Vintage than it does in Legacy, I think. Yeah, I would be inclined to agree. So yeah, I mean, in, in, in Legacy, I think it's it's reasonable in the same way that, you know, Force of Will is reasonable in Legacy, where it's, you know... Because card ubiquity in a format doesn't really apply to Legacy. Yeah. Because there are cards that are, like, massively overrepresented in the format, and they have been forever. Like, Brainstorm Ponder, Brainstorm, Force of Will. Yeah. Jace the Mind Sculptor for a time, and it's still still very much playable. Yeah. Th- those cards are just in every deck, and, and, like, blue decks are just the best decks in the format and have been forever. And you can't apply the same thinking of... Well, it was it was dominating modern, so if it's dominating legacy, it must get banned as well. It's like, well, no, because all the other cards are dominating it as well. This is just a new addition. Yeah, and Agreed. it is very strong. It is very very good. Um, it, it has- yeah, definitely. It's it's you know, we've, like we've said, it's it's the best planeswalker they've ever printed. Correct. Which was true of James, Jace and Mindsculptor for a long time, and Jace has been fine in legacy pretty much like forever. Yep. Uh, and was obviously allegedly too powerful for, for modern for the longest time. So I feel like it's probably just going to be one of those situations again. Yeah, I feel like it's not... The ways in which they're good... Because, I mean, essentially they're fair blue planeswalkers. At the end of the day, that's what they both are. And that's why they're both comparable. At the end of the day, Jace is just a good value engine. That's, it's, it gets card advantage and eventually just wins the game by itself. If it leaves long enough. Whereas Oko is disruptive. Yeah. But generally there's not as much... You know fun interesting creatures in legacy yeah, yeah as there are in in modern where you're turning off all their all their things and it's it's like you said it's easier to deal with um pyroblast red elemental blast are played in a lot of sideboards you get to do the thing we've become accustomed to with better where you just trade one mana for their for their three plus mana play yeah totally um and i don't think it's a problem in the format yet it, it might come to that at some point yeah, I, 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 I can definitely see a future where that that might be the case, but I, I just, I, I think you have too many cards which we can't answer it, and yeah, it's not doing do. that thing which Red and Six was doing, where it was just it was locking strategies out of the games, it was just doing horrible things with Wasteland, which is never fun for anyone, and it's coming down turn one as well, like like you've got your like your loam decks or decks up that were playing like like Mox Diamonds, just casting like Red and Six turn one, and then the game just never sort of got back from there which Oko you just, you're not going to do very very rarely will you, you be playing a, a turn 1 Oko well that's the thing like, you were casting a turn 1 with a Mox Diamond with no downside because then Ren picked up the land yep. and you just you just played a Mox like you, you just essentially played a Mox Sapphire or whatever like, yeah. whereas Oko's not doing that I mean, you can cast it on turn 1 with Mox Diamonds but then you're empty handed <laughs> and Oko doesn't do anything with lands and you know but I mean, yeah, it's just a new ubiquitous part of the format, and I think people have become so accustomed to card ubiquity or card dominance applying so much in standard and modern and now pioneer that people are applying a similar slant to legacy. Where I don't think it applies because you know how long has Force of Will and Bra- how long have Force of Will and Brainstorm just been the backbone of that format? Yeah, totally. And they, they still have. 
and I think that just briefly brings on to a, a, a different point about Legacy. And I think there are cards that probably deserve to get banned in Legacy. And I think the biggest offender among those is probably Arkham's Astrolabe. Yeah, quite possibly. Because I think when oh. I said, you know, Brainstorm and Force of Will of the Backbone format, but that's also coupled with Wasteland. Yeah. And Arkham's Astrolabe, just by the nature of the card, you have to pay basic lands because you have to pay Snowlands. Yeah. Uh, Wasteland's just awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the combination Agreed. of Astrolabe and Oko, because you can just cast Oko in your Astrolabe decks, makes it seem like Oko's a big problem because Oko also, you know, Oko's sort of like... So, so Astrolabe's sort of, I guess, the engine or the card that greases the wheels so you can play these cards. And then Oko just very quickly slams the door shut because your opponent can't disrupt you in the way that they had. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's similar to, to Ren and Six, right? Where you're like, so you're playing your Def and Taxes deck that's leveraging Wastelands and Rashadon ports, and they're just like, I don't care. Yeah, totally. Like, I, you can't Wasteland me because I don't. I, I have like two jewels at most, and the rest is basic lands that you literally can't touch, and I can tap them for any color of mana. Yeah. I think this is but that's that's most part of the, Like, when Wasteland isn't one of the best things you can be doing in a format, which it currently isn't, I don't think, then it's become a problem. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, and I, I totally understand your argument. I. I think my mindset on it is is slightly different. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that Astrobe is is a good card and legacy for accessibility reasons. Um, I've I've seen plenty of decks or sort of versions of decks like the four color control decks or like like band control decks that um, that just don't run any dual lands. Yep. Because they're just running basics and Astrolabe, and I think that. Any way you can lower that barrier to entry uh, to legacy is is a good thing. Uh, and like Astrolabe, Astrolabe making it so you don't have to play duels, so you don't have to spend like an extra grand on your mana base is is something that I think is is very important for a lot of newer players or players looking to to jump from a, a different format. I think in in the long run, I think you're you're absolutely correct, and I, I fully. I fully understand and agree that Australia probably should go, but I think for now, just given given newer players that might have had like their modern deck banned, like just a a bit of an easier way into the format, I think is is probably important at this this moment in time. Sure. I mean, with the, like the four color decks, they're playing like up to five jewels. Yeah, totally. So if you're taking that price off, the the decks still like. Two thousand dollars. Yeah, definitely. Even you, if you if you're just because like between Force of Wills and I guess because less of a factor in that cost now, but like Jace's Force of Wills, Snapcaster Mages, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, Misty Rainforest and like Fetchlands. Like you still have to have to get Fetchlands. Yeah. But I think like if your deck costs like two grand as opposed to three grand, then that's that's got to be a win-win for a lot of people. And sure, but there are still a lot of decks you can play without without spending that much money, like. Renamate yeah, for sure. Renamate is cheaper than that. Death and Tax is cheaper than that. Maverick's cheaper than that. Yeah. Like, the Aldrazi deck's cheaper than that. You, 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 like, there's ways to get into the format without having to spend that. Like, it infects nearly that amount of money. Yeah, sure. And you're still having to spend all of that without buying the jewels. Like, that's still a lot of money. So, like, keeping a card like Astrolabe legal, which is very problematic for the format, in my opinion, and it's proven itself to just make the, just warp the format more than I think any other card has... Um, including well do I include Ren and Six in that I think Ren and Six probably died for a lot of what Astrolabe did because Astrolabe <laughs> yeah, made Ren and Six really playable like you made your yeah. four, four color Ren and Six decks and like Astrolabe was a part of why that was good and like it's the same reason why Oko is so good because you can just cast it in anything yeah you got your four color five color decks and you've got Miracles playing Oko and, and what have you but like 
Also, yeah, Miracles is a lot cheaper than that. Um, yeah. But I think that's the card that's the problem. Like, Wasteland not being a pillar of the format anymore is a problem. Yeah. Like, I, I do I do fully agree with your argument and then do do completely understand it, but I I just think it's important to have to have, just have that there for accessibility reasons, at least for now, and see how it goes. And yeah. if, if we do see a complete homogenization of the format where Astrolabe just has to go, then, then so be it, definitely. And I'm, I'm more than happy to be wrong on this, but yeah, I, I, I just, I like it being there for, I guess, accessibility reasons for want of a better term. Sure. Because it is, it is still expensive, but if you don't have to play dual lands, if you don't have to play reserveless cards, then, you know, more the better, really. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think Astro is probably the, the, the problem card because the, the way that, the way that you beat the blue decks that are leveraging cards like Oko and Jace, which seem like they're very, very powerful, and the problem is just wastelanding the crap out of them a lot of the time. Yeah. And being able to, like, you know, go into Wasteland Wars with the with those decks, or, or just strip, strip them off mana, but you just can't do that anymore. Because they just play two Snowlands, uh, you know, or three three Snowlands and an Astrolabe, and you're just like, well, a big part of my deck, a big part of the way that Death Taxes gets his, gets his angles, the way a big part of the way Maverick gets his angles, or some Delver decks get their angles, is by, yeah. by wastelanding your opponent off their lands. And you just can't <laughs> can't do that anymore because obviously they're only fetching the jewels they might have in the yeah. situation you know in situations where you're not going to wasteland them or where they really really need it to leverage another part of the deck. So uh, I think Astrolabe is probably the problem, and I would be like I don't think Oko is a problem. It's just it's the the, the face of bands in literally every other format. <laughs> yeah. It is very very powerful. It's a new addition to the format that's very very powerful, but I don't think it's the problem card. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there, like fully. So, yeah, I don't think Oko's going to go anywhere in Legacy. I don't want it to go anywhere in Legacy. And that that's not, you know, aside from the fact that I'm playing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I agree as well. And, like, I mean, obviously, like, Ant doesn't care about Oko in, like, one bit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just don't think it's that big of a problem here. I mean, there are lots of I think it's very good, it. but I don't think it's, it's a problem. Like, uh, you know, there is some kind of feel-bads with the card. Like, it kind of makes death seem like a joke. Yeah, when they definitely. they put all their eggs into the merit lage basket and they're like, no, that's an elk, yeah. or like show and tell, where they're like, okay, make make, make your ever call an elk, like you know that's kind of bad, but you know show and tell can still put the omniscience to play and cast the emerald, so you're dead, so the oko doesn't matter. The depths decks are evolving to a point where they just like it's it's blue, it's green white depths now, so you also have like your um. Night of the Renicrae and stuff like that, which which are different angles, so you have the Merit Lage and you also have another threat that, you know, hopefully Yoko can't deal with both of them. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it, I, I think my, my point is Astro, Astrolabe is really bad for the format. And the, the... I understand your point, but, like, there are so many decks that are cheaper than the four-color deck with Astrolabes. That yeah, that's... It doesn't that's, that's create fair. a lot of... It doesn't create that much accessibility for the format. Yeah, that, 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 that's fair, definitely. I, I do... Again, like fully understand what you're saying, and, and I, I do, I do agree, agree with it. I just like, I just like it there for now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look yeah. at the you look at the the legacy challenge, most recent legacy challenge from from yesterday yes. as time of recording. Like death and taxes, Aldrazi, Stomper, and Esper hate bears, and Hogak and Omnitel and Reanimate with a six O decks. Yep. And like you, okay, you have the four, the four color deck, four color deck in in five one, but like Oko doesn't show up until five one. Yeah. And then, then the five ones you still have Dredge and Eldrazi and Maverick and Ninjas and Omnitel and Blue Red Delver and Blue Red Delver and Blue Red Delver and Blue Red Delver. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's not a problem. I think a lot of people are just like, 
seeing it be really powerful, but they're not seeing the other games where Oko isn't involved, which is still very, very good, or seeing other decks take down Oko. I imagine the yeah, Death and Taxes totally. deck that went 6-0 still had to take down an Oko. Yeah, At totally. some point, still had to beat an Oko. So, now, you know what is quite interesting? Go on. If you look at the Legacy Challenge from the 22nd of December, uh, you can see a 6-1 deck, which is a pretty good result, was Urza Thopla Sword. Interesting. Now, this is a Legacy deck that plays Oko Thetha Crowns, it plays Mox Opal, and it plays Microsynth Lattice. Well, you can play all those cards in Legacy, then. Yeah, so if, if you have just had your modern deck banned, then all you would need to do... I mean, obviously, there's, there's quite a few extra cards to get, like like Force of Wills and uh, like Chalice of the Void and stuff. Uh, Ancient Tomb would be a new addition as well. Uh, but as far as like reserveless cards go, like this, it looks like the, the full 75 that went 6-1 it plays one Underground Sea and two Tropical Island. Everything else can and will be reprinted. There's a, a similar deck from the eleventh, the Legacy League on the 11th of January. Yeah. Which is just like, it's just the the modern deck. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty much, pretty yeah. Much, yeah. <laughs> but with an Underground Sea and yeah. Tropical Island. And I mean, to be fair, you can, you can fit... Oh, and this... Artifact Lands, because they're legal in Legacy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can you can fit the Astrolabe into this deck as well if you don't want to buy the jewels. Yeah, like, there's true. ways to, There's ways to work it. So yeah, let's, let's move on to Mox Opal. Yeah, I have to swerve away from that legacy chan- uh, tangent for a second there. Yes, so Mox Opal is now banned in modern. Ah, oh, yes, it is. Now Big this has F been Mox Opal. Yeah, this has been a teetering point in modern, I think, for as long as I can remember. Yeah, totally. Probably. So it's 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 fast mana, and it was the only fast mana legal in the format, right? It's the it's the only reasonable way you can have. It's the only way you can have t- two mana on turn one, and then continue to have that amount of mana going forward. Because obviously, you know, uh, Simeon Spirit God exists. Yeah. Um, but to have fast mana that's consistent. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can Emery Mox Amber, but you know. Yeah. Sure, but then you're doing like a very specific thing. Yeah. That requires you to have Emery, right? Yeah, totally. Um. So, and you're not really doing anything else on turn one, whereas like yeah. Mox Opal facilitate a lot of things on on turn one, namely Affinity. Though that's fallen out of favour in you know the last twelve months, I guess eighteen months. Yeah. The Hand Scales deck, which also I guess has fallen out of favour fairly recently, and then the the Urza deck that was sort of the, the talk of what well, the best deck in modern. Don't forget Lantern Control. Uh, <laughs> screw Lantern Control. The less said about that deck, Ouch. the better. Ouch. <laughs> it's been very well documented how much I hate that deck. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the 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 Urza decks, I guess, because there's like a Saltai version, there's a Teamer version, there's just a blue green version, there's a four color version, some playing War of Invention, all sorts yeah. of nonsense. But it's incredibly well represented, and I think so. Oko is a big part of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Astrolabe, big part of that. Yeah, just throwing it out there. Maybe that card was just a mistake, and we should ban it in every format. <laughs> but yeah, Oko is, I guess, what that made that deck so good. So you know, it's been banned in modern, so we can sort that bit out. But then, I mean, I I called it a while ago that I think Urza just should have been banned. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh the card's fantastic. Yeah, because uh, even without Mox Opal, the Ursa deck is still probably a thing. You just go back to the version where you're playing Thopter Sword. Yeah, yeah. you play Thopter Sword, and then you, you go in harder on the Emerys and Mox Ambers. The, the the original Ursa deck that was really, really good was like the Infinite Combo uh, yeah. Thopter Sword deck, which has been removed away from since we've had Oko, and you just play like a good value Ursa deck with artifacts and stuff, and it was just tearing up everything. And I think Ursa could have just gone. As well as Oko, I think Oko also needed to go because, you know, Oko wasn't just a problem in this deck, it was a problem in basically every deck. Yeah. But 
yeah, I think Urza was the problem with this deck, and, and that's the, the really, really powerful card. But you can you can play this deck without Mox, Mox Opals, and you just like maybe you're like a turn slower. But like you said, with Mox Ambers and Emery's, like you can still get that fast mana if you if you uh, if you build correctly. Yeah, totally. Or maybe it just goes back to like a, some sort of like Paradox Engine or um, Paradoxical Outcome style deck. Yeah. Uh, and that, there are plenty of unreasonable things that you can still do with the deck. Yeah, absolutely. And that deck was was um, was very very good, and will probably still be very very good. And might still be a problem. I think Urza is still a very very powerful card that doesn't do fair things. Like when, yeah. you play, when you're putting Urza in your deck, you're not trying to do fair things. You're either trying to infinite combo with Sword and Thought Foundry, or you're just trying to bury your opponent with all the stupid things you could do. Yeah, totally. So, I think that's I think, but taking that taking down that deck and the way that it has, it's got two bands for that deck. I think is very very reasonable, and I, I'm fine with it. Um, but Mark Opal specifically, it kind of feels bad for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the cards were quite expensive, so I feel like a lot of people have just lost a lot of value instantly. Um, yeah, I obviously I, I own a playset of Mark Opal myself, and it's not a card that I've played for quite a long time now just been sat in a box so it kind of sucks a little bit to lose out on that value but i, I know i could play them in, in legacy if i wanted to i have done in the past yeah. uh and yeah like i know like I, I i keep up to date with with the modern metagame what decks are good and what cards are good and i know for the longest time that card's always been in conversation i didn't think it would be this week it would get banned but it has always been in conversation so absolutely i expected it to to go at some point realistically i think the thing is the thing like it was it was always like a potential thing and i know there are a lot of cards that have died for mox opal since a lot of cards have been banned that were it not for mox opal probably would be yeah. more reasonable and it's like you said it's, it's a card that's constantly been in the band discussion and <clears throat> i think you know i mean the price is halved like a lot of people have lost like a lot of money yeah that card. like they've probably lost like you know 150 200 pounds just from the card that that, that card is just halved in price and as we was discussing before we started recording, like I, we, we don't think the cards hit its bottom yet. Like this probably isn't the floor of how low that card that card goes. Oh yeah, no, I think it goes all goes all the way down. I mean, unless unless the other deck really takes off a legacy, then I, th- I think the card the card's done for. Uh, yeah. It's a real shame. Yep, it really is. So I mean, there's a lot of affinity players who people was clinging onto that deck, like Hardens Girls players. People who just had the card because they liked playing Mox Opal decks, and you know hadn't picked it up to play this busted Urza deck. They just owned the card and wanted to play it. It feels very bad for them, but I think, I mean, I don't want to rub salt in the wound, but, like, you had invested in a card that has always been kind of problematic. It was the only way to have fast mana in modern, and it was unique in that way, and was unfair. So, I think, you know, it's it's the same thing with, like, uh, all the way back to uh, Bloom Titan, where people yeah. people invested for the cards on that deck, and then it got banned. They were like, "Ah, oh, my cards have been banned." I was like, well, you knew what you were getting in yourself yourself in for. I, I think it, I think a lot of it just depends on like, like when did you buy the card, and like what what is your like what's your disposal income like mm-hmm. for for putting it into magic? Because like I feel like it's it's fine for me. Like I got my Mox Opals quite a while ago, and I very much understand the situation. But like, let's say like you're somebody somebody quite a bit younger who doesn't have you know that money to put into magic who's been saving up and they get a bit of money for christmas and finally oh yeah i can buy this oko deck this is a oko deck that looks really cool and modern i'm going to spend my christmas money on that that's just going to feel terrible now for a lot of people yeah absolutely anyone in that situation i, I, I do feel really bad for yeah i absolutely do um and you know 
it like I said, I don't want to be like, well, you know, you should have seen it coming. Because, I mean, it's the same thing with me, like I, like I said earlier with my Okos. Like, I knew what I'm getting stuff in for. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a chance this doesn't this doesn't get banned, it doesn't go down in price, but it probably will, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose, lose value on that, right? But uh, there was a good chance that this was going to happen. And, but, like we said, like, it, it wasn't now. We didn't think it was now. Yeah. Like we knew the Urza deck needed to be taken down, and we knew that Oko needed to be removed from the format, but we didn't think Mox Opal was anywhere near close to getting banned this time. Um, and I guess, you know, with the with the sort of non-scheduled ban announcements, that all that all this becomes a lot more a lot more scary, a lot more risky to invest in cards, especially like good decks. Like if you're investing in good decks, then pff, you're probably gonna lose some money somewhere down the road. Yeah, definitely. Uh but it just it just feel very, very bad. But you know, at the same time it's like it's a card that's always been on the it's it's always been like uh, just every, pretty much every ban announcement, along with the unban of Stoneforge Mystic, I guess, <laughs> up until recently, <laughs> it's been like, well, maybe we should ban Mox Mox Opal this time. Yeah, it's all, yeah, it has, it's always been man, ban Mox Opal, ban Ancient Stirrings, ban Faithless Looting, and then yeah. one by one they're, they're taking the hit. But that's the thing, because like when you ban those, when you ban Faithless Looting, the cards, the, the Faithless Looting wasn't worth anything, and the cards in the Faithless Looting deck still had applications elsewhere, so they, they yeah. took a bit of a hit, but they were still at like a reasonable price. Same with the Gitaxian Probe. Where you know things got cheaper for a while, but then you know the core of the deck, the cards were still worth something, so you could trade them into something else. Whereas Mox Opal is that kind of it's a, a attacking probe or faithless looting card, but that was the money in those decks, right? Whereas the other yeah, cards weren't the money in the decks. So I, I, I don't know, and I think Affinity's taken... yeah, but between between Mox Opal and Oko going from the same deck, that's like five hundred dollars wiped out instantly. Yep, just like killed people's in, 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 things people have invested in, and you know. It's bad to invest in anything that aren't reserved as cards, ever. But yeah. you know, some people don't have that money, and some people, you know, I I have cards that I've I guess quote unquote invested in. But there's always the risk that you're going to lose money on them, right? Yeah. So it feels very very bad. But I think Mox Opal was doomed for like was was doomed at some point. But it could have been like ten years from now when it actually got banned. But it was how many cards were going to die for for, for its sins, I guess. But I, I would if we were going to take down the Urza deck, I would have expected an Urza ban before I expected a Mox Opal ban. Yeah, I and agree. Now you're just killing a load of other decks, which is it feels bad. <sighs> but you know that's where we are, and that that's what happens with Fallout. And I very much feel for people that invested in Mox Opals and and Okos, I guess. Though the Oko was kind of like it was the writing was on the wall for a while ago. Yeah, but yeah. So how how do you see the the format shaping up as we move forward? Prime Evil Titan. Yes, I <laughs> uh, fully agree. Yep. So I, I think. Like for me, the one that just looks really obvious is um, it's the Simic Titan deck. Uh, it took first, and the SCG team opened Columbus. Uh, yes. So that card plays three main board Oko Thief of Crowns. That card has just been banned. However, in like a fortnight's time, we get um, Uro Uwu 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 Titan of Nature's Wrath, which also costs one green blue. Yep. That puts lands into play and <laughs> gains your life and draws your cards. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, I think that deck Uro just slots into that slot that Oko was in, and that deck is pretty much fine the way it is. Yep. So I think Primeval Titan decks are good, like whether it's that deck or it's like you know the amulet, of, straight up Amulet Titan, traditional Amulet Titan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the Urza deck is probably a reasonable place to start. Just go yep. see what Zansayed's doing, I guess, and follow what he's doing because he'll probably break the deck within a week. Yeah. Um. Aldrazi Tron still seems very good. Aldrazi Tron um, seems good, yeah. Like, you can probably just still play a Khan package with, like, like something other than Microsoft Platus in now. Yeah, Microsoft Platus was just the 
the um was just the hammer, right? It was yeah, it was it's the I win button. So yeah. yeah, like now maybe maybe you just play uh I don't know, like Battle Skull now instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I kinda like Jund still. Yeah. Jund is always good. Um always a good place to fall back on. I kinda like Burn. <laughs> yeah, Burn just seems great. Just, burn, like they're never gonna ban anything in Burn yeah, ever. Just when it whenever the format gets a big shake up, like it as right is right now. And I mean it's not that big of a shake up because we just go back to yeah. how things were like six months ago. For a, for a time, but burn just always seems like a great idea. Just whenever things get shaken up, just play a basic mountain, and you'll probably be alright. Yep. Uh, I kind of like the Golgari Yorkmoth deck that just won the the SG Open in Knoxville. Yeah, that one's pretty interesting. I like that quite a lot. This is like my kind of nonsense. Um, yeah, yeah, one by Aaron Barrich, who was appeared to be the only person not playing Oko. <laughs> <laughs> and second place was Monogreen Devotion, which is nice. But yeah, it's like you ramp into Yorkmoth, and then you have a bunch of like undying creatures. Yeah, yeah, and stuff, and then you just sat the value. You have a blood artist. Um, you're, you're playing once upon a time, called calling Edge Revolution, just to assemble nonsense uh, and kill 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 people a lot. There's infinite combos. Yeah, you know, it's a, a green value deck, and it's nice to see Yorkmoth seeing some some like reasonable modern play. Actual play, yeah, yeah totally. Because that card's really good. Yeah, so I kind of like that deck. Yeah, so, that deck's cool. If you're into um, green creature decks, mono green Tron always going to be a thing mm-hmm. that's, that's why I've got that deck sleeved up in yep. case I ever find myself having to play modern yep uh, Infect's probably bad again yeah the only reason well. Infect was good is because you played four copies of Oko <laughs> <laughs> and the decks you couldn't win with the with the uh, with actually dealing poison counters was uh, because you played an Oko and then that yeah. won you the game because obviously it did because that card's stupid uh, yeah there's a lot of th- I mean like before Claire Death Shadow is probably reasonable as well just like you get to play a John style game but with uh with a fast clock yeah. like that, but that's lost Oko as well I guess because they were playing Oko towards the end there <laughs> I don't know yeah just like the format's probably probably okay but like this happens every time someone gets banned or unbanned it's like maybe modern's good again modern seems sweet and then it's sweet for like a week and then someone and breaks then, yeah, it again and you're just like it's broken oh. yeah it's, it's been it's that's been the symptom of modern for so long it's just been oh maybe this format's great and it's like well then the, the pros who are trying to break it because you know their livelihoods depend on breaking the format break it again you're like, well, this is absolutely no fun. You're like, yeah, of course it yeah. is. Of course it isn't fun. How could it be fun? So, uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll we'll have to see how it shakes out, I guess. But I would yeah, probably definitely. be slaving up Primeval Titans. Nice. If, yeah, uh, agreed. If I was going to play Modern, which I never will, because I am strictly a Commander player at this point, and I occasionally play Legacy because Legacy is really fun. <laughs> but I have absolutely no skin in competitive Magic at this point. Cool. It's a good job awesome. we're uh, hosting a podcast talking about you know <laughs> the new set and its implications in a competitive format. Well, speaking about the, the, the new set, we do have the full, complete spoiler for the set now. We do. Yeah. So, uh, not that long after we we finished up recording last week and the episode was released, we got the the full spoiler. Uh, before the pre-pre-release last week, uh, Load and Ready Run did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, we also got the, the Theros Beyond Death story summary, which is uh, which is how they're releasing the story this time over. Yes. Good. I'm so happy that we don't get to delve into the lore of this plane filled with lore that's based on Greek mythology and lots of top-down designs of, like, Greek mythological characters and, you know, a, a sweet set with a, with a beloved character that's making her return. I'm really yeah. glad we just get a summary i'm so i think given the way things have gone i prefer that we got this over than a terrible novel again 
Oh yeah, I'm glad that Greg Wiseman hasn't picked up another job. Obviously, but I am. I I was I was definitely worried for worried for a while that there just there wasn't going to be anything at all. It was just going to be what's on the cards, and we can we can piece it together from like I don't know maybe a player's guide will come with the, with the bundle. That's ass, man. I don't like it as well. Yeah, I mean, no. yeah, I'm glad that you know Greg Wiseman doesn't get a chance to retcon Elspeth into like yeah. like being a Nazi or something. But like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I, the story is one of the best bits, and I, I enjoy them taking the time to to do a lot of lore, and it's like especially a plane like this, where like the, just every card is so imbued with lore, and every card is based on some kind of like I mean it's a homogenization and like bastardization of a lot of different parts of lore, and yeah. kind of mashing together general like it, it seems like Greek mythology, but it's just kind of like uh, old things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it obviously crackers. takes a lot of influences from like Greek and Roman mythology, definitely. Yeah, and then, and then obviously like the, the storyline of like one of the most beloved planeswalkers coming back from the dead. Yeah, and it's like now nah, we won't we won't go into this in much detail. <laughs> yeah, cool. it's, it's a real shame. So the the story summary we got is definitely the summary of a, of a really cool story. It's just a shame we won't get the get the full thing. Yeah, obviously it talks about like the, the, the Titans and before the, the gods, the Titans were in power and the gods in, imprisoned the Titans and uh, Clothis was the god of fate. She was sent down to, to jail the, the Titans and sequestered herself in the underworld. Uh, and then, it, yeah, it talks about how Heliod sends Elspeth to destroy Xenagos and uh, Xenagos obviously ascended and all of that happened. The Theros story and then Heliod eventually killed killed Elspeth. Elspeth was in was in the underworld. Uh, for some reason, Ashiok's there. It's it doesn't really explain a lot about Ashiok about why Ashiok is there in the uh, in the underworld in the story summary, which is a shame. If only they had employed someone to write a story, like maybe just a chapter, just about why yeah. Ashiok lives in the underworld or is like visiting the underworld or what what they're doing in the underworld. But you know, but yeah, it, it was cool. We we see while Ashiok is in the underworld, Ashiok. Decides to just, just torment Elspeth. Ashiok is the nightmare weaver. Ashiok lives to to feed on and create nightmares, and Ashiok spends a lot of a lot of the time in the underworld, just just tormenting Elspeth and making Elspeth just relive like horrific moments from her past over and over and over and over again. Uh, and it is it's in one of these nightmares where Elspeth is is being killed by Heliod and she manages to to grab Heliod's spear and just pull it out of the nightmare with her when she escapes the the nightmare. Uh, and that that actually has a card in the set which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, I love that card for uh, a lot of reasons. I think the for me the most interesting part of it is while all of this is happening, Ashiok is obviously taking a, a look at Elspeth's nightmares and Ashiok suddenly learns of the Phyrexian's existence. Because uh, Elspeth has to has to relive, just just like the horrific suffering she had at the hands of the Phyrexians. Uh, yeah, Ashok learns of the Phyrexians' existence and promptly decides to planeswalk away to learn more about them. Yeah, and we get the return to Phyrexia, which would be really cool to have a story about and have Ashok find out about that. And <sighs> I'm disappointed. I think everyone's kind of disappointed. Even people that don't Absolutely, care about yeah. even people that don't care about law that much are like, well, why wouldn't you just do it? Yeah, I, I really wish we had a full story for this, but I think the the little bits that we have from this, like the fact that oh, Ashiok saw the Phyrexians, so wants to go and find out more about the Phyrexians, is super cool. Absolutely, like, I agree. Like for me personally, like Ashiok is Yours. is possibly my favorite planeswalker, and like the Phyrexians are definitely my favorite. I think they're I think they're probably my favorite big bad. Like I love the Eldrazi, but 
the Phyrexians have got a lot of cool history to them, and I think some sort of Ashiok Phyrexian combo is something that I definitely want to see in a future set. I mean, isn't Ashiok just your spouse at this point? Yeah, Ashiok is is his bay. Is that the term <laughs> the kids are using? How old are you? Like thirty, thirty nine, forty. Yeah, to be fair, it's a, it's an interesting point to make. Just you know, as as an aside, what. Like as someone that's very into like social justice and and being left wing and being righteous and veganism and all that stuff, you love like the horrible dark parts of magic lore. Yeah, it's like because, oh, I love this. I love this character that just torments people and makes them relive nightmares. I love the Phyrexians and the Eldrazi. It's like, dude, because it, because it's not real. It's, yeah, it's you're a right. Cool fantasy space where you get to explore these these interesting characters safely and nobody actually gets hurt. Yeah, it, that sounds like the development of some kind of psychopath but you know mind. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's very disappointing um, but have they said they're going to rectify this and do story from in the in the future no this is the story cool what are they going to do are they going to do <laughs> this, is, this is this is the, the story summary this is officially all we're going to get from wizards of the coast however i have seen that the the fanfic community has jumped right into this and i've seen quite a few people uh, posting on Twitter that they're writing fan fiction. I've seen a couple of examples already, and it looks like it's it's a real shame that it kind of has to be this way. But it looks like at least the fans are gonna, you know, take the reins and be like, "Well, if we're not gonna get any story, we're gonna make our own." That's that's amazing. I mean, yeah, so that, that's something that's really cool. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the magic community continues to be great and care about things. I mean, I'm not a big fan of fan fiction, but I guess. When the fan faction is the only available any kind of fiction you're going to get whatsoever, <laughs> then it's probably uh, it's the best you're going to get in it. So yeah, I'm fine. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm I'm excited to read what people come up with. And like based on like a lot of the stuff that's been written before about magic lore, and like uh, I think quite a few people are actually like kind of involved in um, the the lore development and and you know fluff stuff with with what's here kind of getting involved with it as well. So it'd be really exciting yeah. to see what they come up with. Yeah, so it, it's. I think it's definitely going to be a cool thing to come out of the the sadness of not having a, a, a full long story. The immeasurable sadness. Yeah. However, we do have some sweet cards to talk about. Oh now yeah, that we, we do. have the full set. Yes, we do. So let's jump into some of them quickly before we we go this week. I think. Mm-hmm. So first up, I want to talk about Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, I, I have a lot of feelings about this card. Yeah, so Thassa's Oracle is blue blue for a creature, the Merfolk Wizard. The one three. When Thassa's Oracle enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. So we have another Labman effect. Yeah, definitely. After just getting Jason Raffler of Mysteries? I think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what that card. Raveler of Secrets. I think it's right. I think it's Mysteries. It, the, the one that costs one trip blue that does a lab map thing. Yeah, the War of the Spark Chase. <clears throat> Everyone knows what we're talking about. So yeah, so this. I, I, all right, if Wielder it, of Mysteries. Wielder of Mysteries. We were close. Unra- Unraveler of Secrets was the other. That's the one. one. Yeah. Or the Shadow of the Furnace Red one. Yeah, it was. So this card, if it didn't have the you win the game text, yeah, is bad. Agreed. Yeah. Blue, blue, one, three, <laughs> that you get to look at the top X, where X is your devotion to blue, and just put one on top of your life. You don't even get to put it in your hand, no. which is very, very bad. But, but yeah, the, the the interesting thing comes from the fact that you just get to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on a trigger, instead of a static ability. 
and you don't have to then draw a card because yeah. Jace and Labman both say if if you would draw a card when there are no cards in your library, you win the game. So you also have to take an extra action by drawing a card in some kind of way. Whereas this one just has it all tied up in the t- in the trigger of the card, which is certainly interesting. So I I have some thoughts on it in terms of EDH. I know that you have some thoughts on it in terms of not EDH. Yeah, definitely. Which would you like to start with? Uh, let's let's just get the let's get the fun things out of the way first. So. Uh, in Vintage, this is a card that can just, just win the game on turn one. Uh, there's uh, multiple different ways of doing it in, in different decks. Uh, and I think the the one that's, that's kind of most obvious is, is just like Doomsday. Like Doomsday is a deck that typically uses like things like Lab Maniac to win anyway. Um, you cast the card Doomsday and there are various different ways you can set it up. So you have no cards left in your library. You've got a Lab Man on the field and then you draw a card. Uh, I think this is just another way to have another one of those effects. Uh, gets around things like surgical extractions and uh, ooh, what's it called? Crisper cooler, meddling, meddling mage. mage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, gets a meddling mage, and yeah, just, it's just another interesting way to make a doomsday pile. So that's always cool. Uh, there is another interaction with it with demonic consultation, uh, where you can cast a demonic consultation uh, and name a card that isn't in your deck that gets rid of all of your deck um, and then you can play this and win the game that way mm-hmm. or you can play a land you can play a black lotus you can play a paradigm shift and then a thassa's oracle uh, paradigm shift is a common from weatherlight it is one and a blue sorcery remove all cards in your library from the game shuffle your graveyard in your library <laughs> Great card, great card. Yeah, so you just go land, lotus, that, that's his oracle win. Yep, I mean, this is also, it's worth mentioning, uh, another potential include for legacy doomsday piles. Not that yeah. legacy doomsday is remotely good, but it's Agreed. another thing you can do in that and make a pile, I guess. So yeah, this has some applications there. Yeah, definitely. It, I, th- I think that it's, that deck or those decks are never going to be like tier, tier one, they're going to win every game strategies and vintage but it's interesting and i always like it when doomsday gets new cards to play with because i think it's a really cool deck it's a really fun deck uh and it can be a very difficult deck and i I do like that i do like the challenge of doomsday deck sometimes yeah 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 i just love it it's great so we move on briefly to the edh applications go for it yeah tell me how it's going to ruin the edh yeah this might finally be the card that gets flash banned yeah so uh the way that a lot of CDH win, CEDH decks win the game is by casting a Flash and putting in a Protein Hulk and then immediately sacking the Protein Hulk to Flash by not paying for it and then going and finding a combination of cards. Normally that was um, the Cephalid Breakfast combo, which is Cephalid Illusionist and Nomad's Encore. So uh, Cephalid Illusionist says, is it, it's a two mana, one, one, one. And it says, when it becomes the target of spell or ability, put the top three cards of your library into a graveyard. And then it has another line of text, which literally doesn't matter. Uh, and then Nomad's Encore is a 1-mana one 1-1 one one that has uh, an activated ability that costs 0, and it says the next uh, 1 damage that would be dealt to Nomad's Encore this turn is dealt to target creature you control instead. So yeah. you can repeatedly activate that on Cephalid Illusionist to completely mill your library. And then you would also, in the pile of cards that you got from Protein Hulk being flashed in on turn 2, get a Laboratory Maniac, and then find some way, kind of way to, 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 some kind of way to draw a card. But that would involve uh, having to pass priority again. Yeah. Whereas with Thassa's Oracle, you just put Thassa's Oracle in the pile that you get from the Protein Hulk, so you get the Cephalid Breakfast combo and that, 
and then they all go the, the, the trigger from Thassa's Oracle is on the stack and then the, you do the Cephalid Breakfast combo so you mill your entire library and then you immediately win the game without having to cast another spell yeah. and that's kind of stupid agreed because you don't there's like there's no there's nothing that you can re- respond with because yeah. with when you got the lab man they could respond with a removal spell on the lab man and then you would just lose the game because you had no cards in the library if you tried to draw a card or you just have no cards in the library then have to pass the turn Whereas it's a trigger that goes on the stack and you, like you can stifle it, I guess. But like, there's a lot less ways to stifle things than there are to just remove a creature. Yeah, definitely. So that's possibly a problem in CDH, and uh, it also, I guess, kind of fits into anyone that's still playing Doomsday in CDH. But yeah. as we all know, CDH is a ridiculous format that shouldn't exist and doesn't matter. Please stop playing CDH. <laughs> this doesn't matter at all. Sure. sure. <laughs> I just don't know. I've definitely, I've definitely seen a lot of talk about it, and I've seen um, Sheldon Menery talk about it as well, and say, "Oh, it's something that they're aware of, and they are having conversations around it." Yeah, so. it's, it's always bad when the EDH Rules Committee are having conversations about a card before it's even been released. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think it, it will certainly have some implication for Commander, and I don't know which one of the cards will take the hit yet, but I can guarantee you that one will at this point. Yeah, I think it's probably just Flash. Yeah. Uh, because that card's never doing fair things. Nope. It's also kind of a... Flash is also kind of a combo with the next card we want to talk about. Oh, uh, yes, which is... Uh, Nyx Bloom... Nyx Bloom Ancient. Yeah. Nyx Bloom Ancient is a <laughs> ridiculous card. Correct. It's four green, green, green. For an enchantment creature, elemental. It has trample. It's a 5-5. Five, five. And then it has... If you tap a permanent for mana, it produces three times as much of that mana instead. Permanent? Permanent, Not just yeah. land. Permanent. Three times. This is the first mana tripler we have. Yeah. So we've had, like, mana reflection, uh, Zendikar Resurgent, Mirari's Wake, uh, Vorinclex? Yeah. But this is the first time we've had triple mana. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of stupid. So, yeah, it works kind of with Flash. Like, you can kind of cheat it in with Flash because you put it into play with Flash and then the Flash trigger will go on the stack saying, sack it unless you pay equal to its mana cost. And you can just pay with the mana that... Nixbloom Ancient now makes if you had more like, more than two lands. Yeah. So you can just keep it into play for like less than less than playing seven mana. You can also put it in someone's end step with Flash because that's what Flash does. That's stupid. Yeah. But, but <laughs> Okay, so <clears throat> hot take time. Is Candelabra legal in, in EDH? Yeah, but who owns a Candelabra? <laughs> <laughs> well, not me yet. I mean, if you to be fair, if you're tapping your lands for three times their mana, or yeah. your permanents for three times their mana, so like Thran Dynamo make, makes nine mana now. Yeah. Sol Ring makes six. I don't think you need a candles. Like the candles <laughs> yeah, are just fair. superfluous at that point. You're making so much <laughs> manner anyway. Uh, so hot take time, as is customary on this podcast. Uh, this card isn't that good. Uh, depends on what. Uh, on which format you're playing it in. Oh, EDH. Sure, and then I I don't have a horse in that race, so yeah, probably. Yeah, it's just not that good. Yeah, like you're already you can already it's already possible to make double mana on permanents that aren't as vulnerable as an enchantment creature. And making triple mana, like if you're getting to the point where you can cast a seven mana spell and then you get to untap with it, you should just be winning the game anyway. Yeah. And like making triple mana, it's like what are you going to do? Like cast a massive Genesis wherever a massive walking ballista. Like there's already ways to do that. There's already much easier ways to assemble infinite mana than just casting a seven mana creature you happen to draw. Yeah. Totally. Or like tutoring it, or like sure if you can like entomb and then reanimate this, sure. But then you don't even have that many lands or permanents to tap for mana. And it's kind of like it, it's cool and it was like really flashy, but like I don't think it's that good. No, I, I agree. I, I think the only place it'll see play, if it does see any play, is standard. 
Sure. Because um, you can you can cast states this like fairly reasonably early on um, in your decks that play Nissa, and then you're just using it to power out a huge Hydroid Crisis. Sure, but you can already power out a reasonably huge Hydroid Crisis, and that hasn't been a problem so far without yeah. casting a seven mana five five that dies yeah. to disenchant. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it, it, yeah, sure, it dies to Doomblade, but that's sorry. I, th- I think if it if it does see play anyway, it will be it will be in standard in in a deck that's playing you know big green and hydro crisis. It also doesn't uh, do the thing you want it to do with Nissa. Oh yeah, yeah. So instead of making six, you only make four if you tap a forest with this and yep. Nissa in play. No, sorry. Instead of making nine, no six, it'll be six, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, you make four, but I don't think it really matters. I I don't think this is worth putting in that deck, probably. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Especially it might be it might be in there as like a two of, or it could be a sideboard card potentially. But I think if if it does play anyway, it will be it'll be there. Sure, I'm not as impressed by this card as everyone else who plays Commander seems to be. <laughs> I'm also, I guess, not as impressed as you seem to be with it in standard. <laughs> yeah, I I just I can see. See some big hydro crises with it. I yeah, but mean, like, there's just so many, there's already like so many ways to get like Nissa out on turn three. Like playing this on turn four doesn't seem unreasonable. Sure, but like the different, honestly, the difference between like a, a hydro crisis where X equals six is roughly the same as a hydro crisis where X equals eighteen. Like it, it's not that, but you still have a massive thing that gains you a ton of life and drew you a ton of cards. Like, and there's an extra step inside of it. Like, I don't, I'm not convinced that's the thing you want to be doing. I could I be know. like, I'm, yeah, like I'm if, you, if you can just swing for lethal on turn five, then like, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm not. I don't think, I don't think it's gonna fit in every just blue black blue green deck. But I, I think there, I think there could be broom potential there definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I mean, sure. I, it, there is also worth pointing out in EDH that there's a bunch of infinite combos this enables, obviously. Yeah. Because if you can tap a single permanent for three or more mana, then <laughs> it does things. But you know. This card is less good. When I first saw it, everyone was like losing their mind about it, and there was a uh, the command zone initially previewed this when I was yeah. talking about how crazy it was. And I was like, it doesn't look that good. It's just a big green thing. I'm much more excited about the Dryad of Elysian whatever nonsense prismatic omen and an explosion on the creature. I'm much more excited about that for EDH and for any other format than I am about this. Yeah. Way more excited. So much so that I pre-ordered four of them. <laughs> nice. So I, Seven euros each is reasonable, right? Oh yeah, I think so. For what is clearly an EDH staple. Anyway, let's talk stop talking about this crap card and Commander as a format. Let's talk about the next card. Cool. So the next card is one that I personally am very excited that it's been reprinted. And that is Underworld Dreams. Oh yeah, I forgot about Underworld Dreams. So this is one of my favourite cards in old school. Obviously this version won't be legal in old school. Uh, but it's yeah, it's just a great fun card. Uh, it's black, black, black for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, Underworld Dreams deals one damage to that player. So this just slots really nicely into the, the Mono Black Devotion deck. Uh, I think it's possible that uh, Ayara is yeah. probably more playable at the three-drop slot because it, you know, if you're oh, playing I, like... I, yeah, I think Ayara's in there as well. No, you just play both, sure. Yeah, just just play both. Yeah, um, I think this card's great in terms of an inclusion in the set. Just yeah. even outside of play, playability, like, it's just such a perfect slam dunk for the set. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's, it's a cool old card that a lot of people like. It also was kind of getting slightly expensive, 
to, to pick one up for like your EDH purpose purposes if you wanted to play it in like your what's it called Nekusar deck I know yeah. all of this is just like speaking a different language to you and it... <laughs> yeah and you're probably talking about like other versions as well whereas I've got like Legends copies so <laughs> I know how expensive this card is sick sick brags yeah uh, the, um... like this, this this is this yeah that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about it because like I can just play this and stand like the mono black deck I think is going to be fairly affordable and they get to play a little bit legends cards in standard yeah that the just the sheer level of the flex you get when you put a legends card onto the table in a game of standard yeah. <laughs> it's similar to like putting a beta lana or elves into play right yeah but i mean i think a legend in the world dreams is much cooler than a beta lana or elves oh it definitely it's uh, art from dante's inferno on it it's, <laughs> it's really good i love that card so much um but yeah it's just it's just, it's just dunk. so like you know it's trip black which is great the effect is kind of medium, but it, like it's, it's trip black, which is great because it's devotion. Uh, it's an enchantment, which also plays very well for the set, and it's also called Underworld Dreams. Yeah, and we're currently in the underworld, so uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of of that card just as an inclusion in the set generally. Totally, just um, slam dunk on all fronts, and, and it's probably kind of playable. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I I do genuinely think that yeah, it just goes in the mono black deck. I like how this card is going to make you play wise essentially a creature deck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. But well, if I want to play my it stupid is. Legends cards like I have to play a creature deck. I mean, it's still a combo deck, really, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, you're like probably casting like a cat and like a yeah, Yarok's Fenlurker and like yeah. turning and creature. then Underworld Dreams and then a yeah, and a Rancor or something. Turning creature sideways, which is something that you hate doing. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that card's great. I'm really excited that it's here. Yeah. Cool. So next up we have. Uh, and so this one is a bit of a callback, I think. Uh, it's not a reprint, although I think it, it could have almost been. Uh, this one is Bronzehide Lion, so it is green-white for a 3-3 cat. Uh, you can play green-white against Indestructible to end a turn. And when Bronzehide Lion dies, return it to the battlefield. It's an aura enchantment with enchant creature you control, and green-white enchanted creature gains Indestructible to end of turn and loses all other abilities. Fleece Man Lion, this is not. It is not Fleece Mount Lion, but I do feel like it is. It's a nice little throwback. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure this is particularly playable. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I. It's I don't green. Know. I think, uh, yeah, I think if if there was like a green white shell there, then quite probably. And th- this this might be a card that might see some play in the future, uh, like once we've got another couple of sets in standard. But yeah, I just like this this callback to the Fleece Mount Lion. <clears throat> I like that Watsy just keep putting like one kind of playable green white cat in every standard set. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've got to make those green white commander decks better, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, it's it's cool. I uh, I'm not convinced it's particularly playable, but it's yeah, sweet. I, it's sweet. I like the design of it. Um, yeah, I think it's it's also a bit grisly as well. That like when like the lion dies, it comes back as an enchantment, so you can like kill the lion and then you're gonna skin it and wear its cloak. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, that's pretty grim. That's horrible. I mean, I know I play a game where you're like trying to murder creatures and your opponent, but I don't like the idea of skinning them. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's not nice. Yeah. Cool, let's move on from that pretty quickly, please. Cool. <laughs> uh, moving on from that, we have another animal-based card. Uh, this one, I don't think we'll see any constructor play at all, but I just want to highlight it. It's quite possibly my favourite card in the set. Go on. This is uh, Ichthyomorph... Ich- I can't even say the word. Hey. Ichthyomorphosis. Right, I was definitely... Like, you had one shot to get that right, because I'm definitely going to keep in the stumbling after I read it. It's a two and a blue for an enchantment aura. It's enchant creature. Enchanted creature loses all abilities and is a blue fish with base power and toughness <laughs> zero one. And it has the... Yeah, it See? has the... I did it. 
ichthyomorphosis. There you go. So the flavor text at Tactus's military career was a flop. Because <laughs> he was a fish. Yeah. You, you, you pay three mana to turn your opponent's creature into a uh, magic hub. Yeah. It, it's really cool. I think this is probably going to see a very good amount of limited play. It's a nice bit of limited removal. Uh, I think it's hilarious and also great. Uh, and it's it feels really fitting in that, like, like Greek mythology style thing. Like you, you could just you could see that happening in like a like a, a Greek myth, like some heroic captain being turned into a fish by by a, a god or a demigod. Uh, yeah, I just think it's great, and it is probably my favorite piece of art in the set as well. That is the saddest looking fish. It's just <laughs> a big ugly fish. It's great. <laughs> it's, I love it. It's so miserable. Such a miserable yeah. fish. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this this cut's this cut's cool. It's also like kind of a lot better than uh, something like uh, Kazmina's transmutation. Yeah, because it turns into an O one, like yeah. it not having any power is like big game. Anyway, onwards. Should talk about some good cards now. This cut's great. How dare you? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next up, I think is one that you're quite a fan of. Where? Which one's that? Uh, and that is Destiny Spinner. Destiny Spinner. What? Uh, right. Okay, this isn't, like, the most busted card, but, like, remember when we were talking about how, like, green is just too good? Yeah. Last week, we were like, oh, green gets all the good cards. So, Destiny Spinner is one in a green for an enchantment creature human. It's a 2-3. It's an uncommon, and it says, creature and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. That's pretty good. And then, for some reason, it also says, pay three in a green, target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature token with trampled and haste until end of turn, where X is the number of enchantments you control, it's still a land. Yeah. That's just that's what just, is that text? Like it's, it's just flavour text essentially. Yeah. So do you remember Gaius Herald? Yeah. So that was one in a green for a one one with creature spells can't be countered by spells or abilities. That was a rare. Yeah. And it's from a while ago, it's from Plane Shift, but it's a rare. That was one in a green for a one one. And it also affected your opponent's creature spells. Not just ones you control. Yeah. This is one in a green for a two three, for some reason. A creature and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. And then some text about a land that, you know, whatever. I, I'm i not sure this is... I mean, it's, like, possibly standard playable. Yeah, it, it could certainly be a cyborg card, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely going to slam this into my Enchantress or EDH deck. Yeah, it seems great there. It's great stuff. Why is it 2-3? Why is it 2-3? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Um, yeah, we were like, like, what, Prowling Serpapod? Yep. A, few, a few years ago, it was one green green for oh, like for a four three, but like that's not far away from a two three that had the same text. Why is this an uncommon? <laughs> green is just so pushed. Oh it's yeah, so definitely. upsetting. It's so upsetting, and yeah, just flavor, flavor text activation cost. Yeah, this this card's uh, incredibly silly. Yeah, I I think it's really cool. It's really really ridiculous design, and you're right. Like for an uncommon, it's like. It seems very good. Very, very good. It seems very, very good. Yeah. Moving on. Cool. Moving on, we've got another green card. Uh, this one is a new planeswalker. It's Kallax, Destiny's Hand. It's two green-white for a legendary planeswalker, Kallax. Uh, he has three abilities. Comes in with four loyalty. He has a plus one. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an enchantment card from among them. Put that card in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus three, exile target creature or enchantment you don't control until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. And minus seven, return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So like basically everyone that has an enchantress EDH deck or an EDH deck that cares about enchantments is having to find a lot of room for more cards. Yeah, yeah. totally. Speaking of my 
an Enchantress or a EDH deck. <laughs> I have pre-ordered this card. Uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Also, it's a green white card. <laughs> it's a cool new character. If only we had some kind of like extensive story to explain this character's backstory and introduce them. Yeah, we have a, a, a very small amount in the the story preview. Well, the, the story uh, story summary uh, where they explain that Calyx was was created by. Can't even remember her name by Clothis. Yeah, Calyx was created by Clothis uh, to sort of track down and stop Elspeth leaving the leaving the underworld. Uh, and obviously, when Elspeth planes walks away, Calyx kind of feels that all hope is lost. And then something happens, and Calyx planes walks, or something ignites within Calyx. Cool. That's pretty. That's pretty much all, all the story we have. Something happens, and a spark ignites inside Calyx. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Why are they doing this to us? I don't know. Um, I don't know, but hopefully somebody's going to write some really cool stories about how how and why Colic Spark ignites. Yeah, hopefully. And I have a lot of faith in the community to do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, keeping trying to keep Elspeth from escaping the underworld, underworld isn't very green-white of him. It's not at all. <laughs> I don't know why he's green-white. Like, especially when like Clothis is like red-green as well. Yep. It's a bit odd. It's very odd. Uh, in terms of I'm, I'm, ex- uh, I'm excited for this in EDH. I'm not sure this has... I mean, if there's like some kind of en- enchantment deck, which, you know, considering Constellation is a mechanic and there are a lot of enchantments in the set, it might be in a standard. This is cool. Like, plus one to look at the top fours, quite a few to look for an enchantment. Uh, removal on the bottom. Like, it's just, the you know, I hate to hark back to the box down the Planeswalker design, but it's plus one card advantage, minus three removal, mm-hmm. minus seven, do something stupid. Uh, yeah, plus one, look, find an enchantment, minus three, exile. I, I like that it's like a train to the rocks type thing. So you exile target creature enchantment until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. So you're like chaining an enchantment or a creature to an enchantment that you control. Yeah. Which is cool. I like that a lot. So you can like chain into a bashing, banishing light or something or just jump like a general random enchantment. I like that one. Uh, and then obviously minus seven replenish. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, seems good. Seems yeah. fine, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like this card a lot. I think it's really, really cool. Uh, I think the art's sweet. I also think the alternate art is really sweet. And I kind of wish I'd pre-ordered an alternate art one because it looks really nice because it's got like, it's the the kind of, I'm not sure if we talked about this, but the uh, I don't even know what kind of style this is, but they're like... Yeah, I want to say Pantheon, but I don't yeah. think they've like announced fully what the frame's called. Yeah, it's it looks really, really cool. They're full art, and it's got like, yeah, like the... Uh, like marble statue style yeah, really sweet. art. It's really cool. And, and his one specific has uh, Clothis in the background overlooking yeah. it, which looks really dope. And I might just pre-order one now, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think it seems like a reasonable thing to do. Yeah, this card's cool. Um, I'm very excited about it. Please, someone start an EDH podcast with me so I can just talk about these things about <laughs> pissing off my other co-hosts. <laughs> sure, sure. Cool, so next up is a card that I mentioned earlier. Uh, this one is Shadow Spear. Mm. So it is a, an artifact. It's colourless. It costs one mana. It's a legendary artifact equipment. The equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has trample and lifelink. And you can pay one. Permanence your opponent's control. Lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. And its equip cost is two. Uh, so the best equipment we've had since New Phyrexia. Uh, the best equipment we've had since Modern Horizons. But yeah, agreed. the best equipment we've had in a standard legal set. You pedant. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think I agree. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like a kind of like, a mini uh, locks on Warhammer because it's yeah, a, totally. a buff and trample on lifelink. Um, want to cast and two to equip is reasonable. Uh, Penguins with permanent superpowers control is hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. It's kind of cool. I quite like that. It's it is really cool. I I wish it, it was also permanent. Your opponent's control lose protection. That would have been really sweet. 
Yeah, because then Devantaxis gets to kill a Trudon Nemesis. Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yes. Or like, yeah, anybody gets to kill a Progenitus, maybe, in Cube. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that would have been sweet. This card's cool, yeah. I'm not sure it makes it into, like, uh, Legacy Dex playing Stoneforge Mystic. It might be a sideboard yeah. option occasionally, but I can't really think of, I don't know, like, getting a, making a Marit Lage lose Indestructible seems pointless when you're playing Source to Power Shares. Yeah, totally. And can't block and kill it. Uh, hexproof? I'm trying to think of a Hexproof crit. Screw Boggles, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, kill that. Kill that <laughs> there we go. That's the thing, because that's going to be a good deck now that Oko is banned, because Oko is definitely a problem for the Hexproof deck. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, uh, I like it. It's really cool. I mean, just like a one mana equipment equips for two that gives plus one plus one trample lifelink is really cool. Yeah, I, I do like it a lot. I think the design of it's really cool. It's quite unique um, ability on it as well. And yeah, so this is, this is, I guess, the nightmare version of. Um, or the the next version of of Heliod Spear, it looks all gross and, and misty, and, and you also have that like weird, weird stuff dripping off it, which looks like it could be for Exin oil. It does, it does look like that, and it has like some smoke coming off it. Um, a weapon of darkness for a warrior of light. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Sweet. It's really cool. I, I like it a lot. I like, this, I like this card very much. Very much. Big fan. Yes. Big fan. Yes. Cool. Right. So another card that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is Shatter the Sky. Yes. So it is two white-white for a sorcery. Each player who controls a creature with power four or greater draws a card. Then destroy all creatures. Four mana wraths are too good. Yeah, we've we've finally got a an actual, an almost actual wrath of God. Yep. Yeah, I, I think this is good. Uh, I think, like, obviously, like, they can't... Well, they didn't just print Wrath of God. Although, like, if you're going to reprint Wrath of God in any set, surely you do it in the set on the plane which has a Pantheon of Gods? Yeah, especially after From the Bottom Annihilation, where the old art for Wrath of God is Heliod blowing stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. You could have just printed that, and that would have been cool to see that in non-foil, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> but oh well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this, this works in Standard. Uh, I think... There's either going to be a mono white deck or a like Boros deck, because uh, this works really nice with Gideon Blackblade. Uh, you know, you play Gideon on, on turn three, and then on turn four, you can use Gideon's ability to give another one of your creatures indestructible. Uh, Gideon has indestructible himself. Uh, you cast Shatter the Sky to rough the board, uh, and Gideon has power four or greater, so you draw a card. Yeah, I think like I don't know. I'm not sure that this is much better than the five mana wraths we've had. The potential for your opponent to draw a card is kind of a bigger downside than paying an extra mana, I think, a lot of the time. Especially if you're playing like some kind of control deck, whereas like Fumigate was kind of fine because paying the extra mana was flat was alright because you wanted to wait until they'd amassed a big enough board that you felt good fumigating. Yeah. Or cleansing the ring or what have you. Yeah. Uh, so I I I'm kind of of a different opinion there. So Excellent, good. As I've, been, I've, I've been playing blue-white control and standard, uh, and a lot of the time, especially in best of one uh, on arena, five mana wraps just don't cut it. They really don't cut it. You're just dead before you get a chance to play it. So I think even though a lot of the time your opponent is probably going to draw a card, having a four mana wrath is, is going to be so much better. Uh, and I think that, that makes a blue-white deck a lot better than, than it has been. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, format form like yeah, that's the thing. It's like what's what's better, like paying an extra mana or drawing a card or your opponent drawing a card. I don't know. Yeah, I think specifically in, in best of one arena standard, like you're more you're happy enough for your opponent just to draw that card. 
Ooh, speaking of best of one arena standard. Yeah. Um, I would like to make a very late uh, amendment to my 2019 end of the year quiz. Yeah, go for it. Uh, the number of cards banned in standard is actually four and a half. <laughs> sure, sure. Because <laughs> Nexus of Fate was banned in best of one standard. Yeah. And that only counts for half a set. Yeah, I have just, it's nice to see a Fallen Wrath again, even if it's got a downside. And I think the archery suite as well. I don't know what that woman's doing in the front. Like, everyone's going to be like, oh my god, the temple's been destroyed, this is awful, we must run away and flee for our lives, and she's just kind of, like, kind of a bit miffed, and putting her hands together. Yeah, I mean, she's praying, isn't she? Is she praying? Well, why is she pouting while she's praying? I don't know. Joe, if you're praying, right, as you often do, I know. Uh, yeah, sure. Do you pout? It uh, depends what I'm praying for. What, you, what was the last thing you prayed for? Um, It's been some time. Sometime. <laughs> but how much time I, I don't know I, who knows who knows I can't say I've ever pouted while I've prayed no neither have I so you know I don't think she's pouting either I think she's gritting her teeth from the art that I can see quality content by the way that looks like sure. a, those look like her lips I'm more concerned about the, oh, no, the no. man the, the man at the uh, at the back and on the left <laughs> <laughs> he's like direct, he's just, just staring at you like looking right through the card frame right now. I've only just seen that yeah because it looks now that I've taken a closer look cause my he's got like right. a weird little moustache as well it's quite hard because <laughs> my monitor's quite far away from me now I've looked at it closer hold up yeah those are clearly her teeth I thought that was like a shine on her lip and she was just like no. really moody uh, so she's just kind of like gritting her teeth whereas yeah this guy's just full on like staring right at you it's <laughs> a weird little, little yeah. tash in his bum chin yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, your man there's having a time, isn't he? <laughs> He's got some feelings. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that is that is uh, disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have some words with uh, 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 Bayard Wu and ask about you do that. You do that. <laughs> what that man on the end there is thinking <laughs> with his weird little mustache, as you <laughs> called it. Oh, that's good. Cool, so a couple left to go. Uh, next up, we've got Eidolon of Obstruction. Yes, uh, I like this card. Yeah, me too. It's one and a white enchantment creature spirit. It's a 2-1 with first strike. And loyalty abilities of planeswalkers your opponent's control cost one more to activate. Yeah, so... It's about time, right? Finally, the card that beats Oko. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just like, you you know, we're eventually going to get uh, white weenie death and taxes cards that add attacks for literally every part of the game. Yeah. Casting spells, tapping lands, activating planeswalkers. Yeah, I think like a card with this design has, has been a long time coming, whether it was a creature or an enchantment or like an artifact, just something that made your, your planeswalker abilities cost mana, I think is, is something that has just been missing from magic for, for years now. So I'm, I'm glad we finally have this effect. I know it's probably going to get played against me quite a lot, as I tend to favour playing planeswalker decks, yes. but I'm still very glad this card exists. Yes, um, so am I. I think it's really cool. I'm not sure it's actually yeah. that <sighs> exciting for death and taxes. No, I mean, I'm just glad it's not a human. I'm very glad it's not a human. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That card's got enough cyborg cards. But yeah, I, I think this card's cool. I think it's a nice design. I think the art's really sweet as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan Jason Renville did a, a great job on this one. I'm a big fan of uh, Eidolons in general. I think they're really cool yeah. uh, creatures. So yeah, sweet card. Yeah, I love it. And finally, we come to our last card, that is Eat to Extinction. God, I hate this card. So Eat to Extinction is a three and a black for an instant. 
Exile target creature or planeswalker. Look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. So, four mana, exile target creature or planeswalker, surveil one. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, the seriously, the art on this, I hate this so much. Yeah. I, like... Oh, God, what's that thing where you, like, hate holes? Oh, yeah, I can't remember the name of it. It's I like a phobia. Mean. I think I might have yeah. a phobia. This is disgusting. Uh, like, with all these teeth, like, the teeth are coming out at weird, horrible angles. There's, yeah. there's a mouth in his hand. There's mouth in his eyes. I'm pretty sure there might be mouths in the nostrils. There are, yeah, and, and his cheeks and, and his oh, neck as well. And... Minging. It's so big as well. Because <laughs> that was the thing, was, what was the card from um, uh, Shadows of Rinistrad? With, like, the magnifying glass. Was it just called magnifying glass? Where it had, like, the little Aldrazi eye on someone's oh, hand. Oh, yeah, and it was like, the one, yeah. It was, like, proper minging. Yeah. This is so much worse than that. I, it makes me so uncomfortable. It, it reminds me of... Um, did you ever see Channel Zero? No. Channel Zero was it was a really cool uh, horror TV show. I think it was sci-fi. It was on. Uh, it was it was based on like creepy pastas and stuff. So like the first series was all about like Candle Cove, but then there was, was also this like monster, this like child made out of teeth that would come and like take children's teeth. Ugh. And it was like really horrific. But they just like, it's a really really cool design of a of a monster. But yeah, it's uh, it reminds me of that quite a lot. Yeah, this is hard. Please never show me that thing because I can I can hear you typing and clicking, and I feel like there's well, a link don't don't look in chat currently. Oh, for Christ's sake! <laughs> Channel Zero Tooth Monster. Great, I'm looking forward to clicking that link. Just like the fact that like, the teeth are coming out of its face, like, yeah, at the front of its like it's got lips made out of like teeth at different angles. It's truly truly disturbing. And yeah. I also hate that this card is probably quite playable, so I'm probably going to see it quite a lot. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know how playable it is. I think when you've got like Murderous Rider in the format already, that's certainly uh, certainly lowers its its playability. But then again, it does exile creatures rather than putting them in graveyards. And we know that escape and the graveyard is going to be a thing. So yeah, maybe it could be playable. Probably probably a sideboard card. Yeah, four, four, four mana, four, four mana exile. A creature or planeswalker, we've seen that be playable before. It only has one black pip. Uh, mono black is going to be one of the more playable decks in the format. Yeah, agreed. And Surveil one is like nice upside. So I think this card's probably quite good, and it upsets me. If anyone plays a full art version against me, I will rip it up and pay for another one. Because <laughs> it is disgusting. It's gross, and I kind of love it. <laughs> I, hate it. I hate it so much. So much. I just love gross things. I'm just, I, I'm just I am, trash. I'm like, <laughs> you're a horrible person. The, yeah, um, I'm kind of like drawn to gross things, but I very much feel horrible and gross and uncomfortable when I look at them. Like, oh, yeah. You know when you like look at something gross and you're like, I've got to look away, but you can't look away. But I'm like, I very much hate it. I hate it so much. It's yeah. horrifying. Sweet. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Um, Theros looks, it looks like it's going to be really cool. Like no matter how negative i was last week about it i think it, it obviously has like a a massive step down or what feels like a massive step down in power from throne of eldraine but i think that's a good thing uh i i think this is a really cool set um the art and like the aesthetic of everything just look incredible and i'm super happy to to be back on theros with with this set and i'm really looking forward to playing limited it's going to be awesome yeah absolutely sweet awesome so that's pretty much all we have time for this week uh, if you want to get in touch with us and let us know your feelings on Deros, uh, what do you think of the set now that it's fully revealed are you looking forward to playing it are you going to the pre-release this weekend let us know hit us up on twitter we are at hfdcast on twitter facebook.com slash hfdcast 
Or if you really enjoyed anything you've heard in the show and you want to give back in any way, you can head over to patreon.com slash devastation, where tiers start from as little as $1 per month. It's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud and Spotify and iTunes. This has stopped being funny. It stopped being funny as a running joke the second week I did it, but I genuinely just <laughs> haven't looked. Because if I go on my phone, right, there's like, I've got an iPhone, and uh, that was meant, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. A sick <laughs> break, I'm so sorry. Like I was just explaining, I've got an iPhone. I'm going, it just says podcasts. If you have an iPhone and there's an app that says podcasts, right? If you search for Arab Devastation podcast in there, it'll come up. It'll be there. And you can yeah. subscribe to it, and it'll be in your feed. Do that. Look there. Um, while you're there. Uh, feel free to leave us a, a, a review or a, a star rating. A five-star rating would be preferable. Um, it really helps get the podcast out to other people. Uh, just sh- share it with people. Um, engage with us on Twitter. I need to up my Twitter game. But uh, yeah, tell your friends about it and share it around because uh, we want more people to listen to it. That would really help us out. Yeah, totally. If you want to find me on my own personal social media on Twitter, I'm at Peach Garden Oaf. That's Oaf with an F. At Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You'll find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash peachgardenoaf, where I'll be streaming every Tuesday night from 8pm. I stream most weekends as well. Uh, also, another cool thing, which I totally didn't mention, is maybe a bit late by the time you, you you listen to this, but I will be taking part in the streamer show sorry, streamer showdown, the exclusive streamer preview event for Theros Beyond Death. Yeah, super thankful to Wizards of the Coast for providing me with a VIP fully stacked account. Uh, I get to play with all of the cool cards on Wednesday, so I will be streaming that. So if you do listen to it before that's live, or it is Wednesday afternoon now or evening now, chances are I'm live, so come check it out. I thought you were going to do like a, it's Wednesday, my dudes. <laughs> no? You're not referencing that fine? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's Wednesday, my dudes. There you go. you got to do the scream. No, there's a scream? Have you not seen that vine? I've not seen the vine. No, I'm very, very familiar with the meme, but I've never seen the vine. Yeah, there's a there's a guy in like a, I guess like a budget Spider-Man costume wearing like swimming goggles. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing wearing swimming goggles, and he he's in a mirror, and he's got his phone recording, and he just says, "It is Wednesday, my dudes," and then it like goes to a different angle, and he just goes, "Ah!" Like, have you not seen that? No, never seen that. I'll oh. go look that up now. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I've, I've just always seen the frog. It's a fantastic. It's a fantastic vine. Um. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Talk about tangents. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's very, very cool. I also don't appreciate the fact that you think that it'll be too late because this will definitely be up on Wednesday. As <laughs> last week's was, it was up at 7am on Wednesday. It was, yeah. Uh, so, also, I don't have to work late tomorrow, which is Tuesday, so I can edit it and it will be up on time. Awesome. So, yeah. So some people will hear about this from the podcast. And I will also be there. Awesome. So, fun. where can people find you on social media? So um, you can find me on Twitter at Sneal69. Nice. Um, I'm not really posting anything controversial at the moment. And I've now That's, just. I, yeah, I don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I mean, sure. you can look at my feed. I haven't really posted anything that controversial. Controversial. Like, I don't know. I've just started blocking transphobes and bigots instead of engaging with them. Sweet. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> Sounds healthy, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, 2020 is clearly the year of health. Yeah. In every way, but... I, I, I think 2020 is the era of Marat Large, as we established last week. Which is funny. Well, no, because it gets turned into a 3 3 elk. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's the year of health. I've stopped smoking. I've blocking people on Twitter instead of having arguments with them. Um, you know, and I'm going to continue to be overweight. <laughs> awesome. There you go. Onwards and upwards. Absolutely. So once again, we are approaching the second hour. The God Pharaoh has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Power of Devastation. Station.